Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Walking in the Light with me, Jason Burnside. Today's message, deception of the enemy, hidden in plain sight. But before we jump into that, let's start off with some prayer. Father God, once again, Lord, I am so humbled, so honored, so grateful for this opportunity to share your truths and your light uh, and your wisdom with the people who are listening. God, I pray that everything uh, that I say comes directly from you, God, that's pre-approved by you, Lord, and that everything um, is communicated exactly the way that you want me to communicate it, God. I pray that I shed light in dark places, God, that I expose the lies and manipulation of the enemy, and that I cover, God, right now I pray a covering of the blood of Jesus over every listener right now so that when this word is delivered, God, that they have a heart to receive and that nothing of the enemy can twist or manipulate what I'm trying to communicate to them that was sent to me through you, God. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, (laughs) allow me to tell you what just happened. A little bit of a disclaimer. This podcast is probably going to be the longest podcast in the history of my experiences doing this. And I'm going to do my best to stick to the main points in order to shorten the length of it. Because again, I try to aim for my podcast to be within 20 to 30 minutes, but this one's going to be longer. But um, I don't want to dilute what the Holy Spirit is doing. This message was put upon my heart. I was convicted to share this with you over the past 72 hours. So I'm going to try to respect your time, but also to do the job that I've been commissioned to do. Before we begin, though, this is the second time I've recorded this message. Last week, I spoke of perseverance as our response. Well, I just recorded the first podcast, this episode. And when I went to go push the stop button to start my editing process, mind you, an hour and 40 minutes later of recording, I realized that nothing recorded. (laughs) So what was my response? Laughter, joy, and prayer. And perseverance, because here I am again when I thought I should be editing. I'm recording it again from the jump, and I thank the Lord for the peace that I have over me. So first, glory be to God for the peace and joy that I have to share this message once again and to have the opportunity to fine-tune it and deliver it more effectively. So thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Now, the message today. This week, I thought all week that I was supposed to be speaking on the spirit of division. I thought that with uh, election coming up, now only uh, a few hours away, the polls are going to open on Tuesday morning, and we're going to decide our next president. And if you've been alive in America uh, the past four, five, six, seven months, the spirit of division is everywhere, uh, from race to economic status to political affiliations and to... Uh, spiritual alignments. So the Lord was really leaning in on me in the spirit of division. So I really thought that that's where I was going to go with today's message because I am a spirit-led man. Everything that I do with this podcast, this podcast is completely given over to the spirit of God. So everything that I communicate to you, I wait on a message or a word or a nudge from the Holy Spirit, from God himself to share with you. And so all week, I thought that's where I was going. And again, over the past 72 hours, uh, through some experiences and some things that I saw that stirred me up in my spirit, the Lord convicted me this morning, 
and it just flowed out of my fingertips. It was almost like he took over and was typing, and next thing you know, I'm 10 pages deep. So today's message is going to be mainly scripture, but also a mini history lesson. I'm going to be speaking today on the deceptions of the enemy hidden in plain sight. What does that mean? I'm going to be speaking directly to the holiday season that we are in. I'm going to be speaking specifically about Halloween, about Easter, and about Christmas. The three big holidays that the Christian community find themselves participating in and may not understand what they're coming into agreement with by engaging in the various activities associated with these holidays. So, my purpose for this podcast today is to dispel the lies and manipulation of the enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, I have zero desire to judge or condemn any listener for what their current walk with Christ is. We all have our own paths. They're individual to each of us. So I am not, I am not, I am not judging you. The Lord has convicted me to shine light in dark places and expose the enemy. And that is the whole heart behind this podcast. Just know that I love you, Jesus loves you, and you are saved. The price has been paid. You are saved, you are saved, and you are forgiven through Christ. Remember that. So if anything that I say in this podcast, again, which comes from God, stirs you up, gets you emotional, gets you fired up, Check the source. What is God trying to communicate to you? I would encourage you to seek the Lord in prayer, to reflect on your actions, and humble yourself before the Lord and admit some things and see what He does. And I guarantee you, He will bring you out of it and you will be a stronger, more battle-tested Christian than you've ever been in your life. Rebuking is not a fun experience. The Bible calls us to rebuke the ones we love. God will rebuke the ones he loves because he loves them enough to correct their behavior. So rebuking is not a fun thing for me. I am not the one who's rebuking you in this podcast. Just remember that. I am simply the messenger. And in the first episode of the second season, I talked about rising to the call of action, right? Ezekiel rose to the call. Then I talked about Jonah and the great fish. And I talked about Nehemiah. These are all men who were called by God to do a specific task. What resulted from them completing that task was entirely up to God. But they were called to do a certain thing, and that is why I am doing this. This is this is my call. This is that, air quotes here, certain thing that I'm called to do. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work within you. And so again, if you feel convicted, seek the Lord on it and let Him work on you. Now, I personally... Initially in my walk, when I was just after I was saved, I too participated in these holidays. I too uh, engaged in the festivities and all that went with them. And unknowingly aligned myself with some things that aren't of God. And it was through ignorance and then through stubbornness. And then the Holy Spirit convicted my wife and I a few years ago and we walked away from certain things. And I understand that some of the biggest backlash that I'm probably going to receive is from my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Because... These are three holidays that are deeply nostalgic 
and it's something that they did with their parents and their parents did with their parents and they're doing with their kids and their kids will do with their kids and that's the purpose for God exposing this. We are breaking the chains of tradition. We are uprooting the lies of the enemy and we are trying to expose that. We are exposing the darkness with light. So please, if I get passionate and I raise my voice like I just did, it is not to judge you. It is simply because I am fired up about this. The Lord has me on a mission and I am going to complete that mission to the best of my ability. I love you. Let's go. So when we participate in certain holidays, much like when we engage in the viewing of certain movies or TV shows or listening to certain kinds of music, we are coming into alignment or coming into agreement with certain spirits that are attached to those things. Now, we may be operating from the realm of, well, I'm saved. I have Jesus, Jesus within my heart. I'm good. Not entirely true. Yes, you are saved by the blood of Christ. However, what we do, what we engage in, what we say, what we allow into our realm affects our spirit. The enemy can enter through open doors, doors that we open in either ignorance or straight up disobedience. Let's start with the most recent holiday, Halloween. Now, about 90% of the facts that I'm going to give you for Halloween, Easter, and Christmas come from history.com. A couple of them came from Britannica.com uh, or .org, whatever the, the suffix is. But again, they're, those are the two websites I trust the most. They're the most credible as far as their accuracy and, and time spent digging up the, the ins and outs of the facts. So I'm going to be digging into the history of these holidays, the, the pagan roots, and then following it up with scripture. So please hang on. Let's go. Halloween. The origins of Halloween date back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. Uh, the Celts, who lived 2,000 years ago, mostly in the area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and North France, they celebrated their new year on November 1st. This day marked the end of the summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter, a time of year that was often associated with human death. So, the Celts believed that on the night before the new year, November 1st, which would be October 31st, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. On the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, the Celts thought that the presence of these otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids, the Celtic priests, to make predictions about the future. For a people entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, these prophecies were an important source of comfort during the long, dark winter. The Bible has another name for this. It's called witchcraft. <laughs> these are witches and warlocks prophesying in a dark art, praying to a God that doesn't exist. And that God that doesn't exist is a disguise, a deception that we know as the enemy. To commemorate this event, this uh, crop time when spirits are walking around, to commemorate the event, Druids built huge sacred bonfires where the people gathered to burn crops and animals as sacrifices to the Celtic deities. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. Again, witchcraft. When the celebration was over, 
from this, they, and they lit these fires from the sacred bonfire to help protect them during the coming winter. Again, pagan rituals. There's no faith in God anywhere in this. And then the other part of Halloween, the jack-o'-lantern. Well, this came from folklore rooted in mythology. And when you hear why it's called the jack-o'-lantern and why people use it, I have no doubt the Holy Spirit is going to convict you to never carve another pumpkin and put a candle in it ever again. The jack-o'-lantern comes from the legend of Stingy Jack. In this story, and please listen to this, so it says here that people have been making jack-o'-lanterns at Halloween for centuries. The practice originated from an Irish myth about a man nicknamed Stingy Jack. According to the story, Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. So he welcomed in the devil. He called upon the devil. The devil answered and he welcomed him in. Red flag. True to his name, Stingy Jack did not want to pay for his drink. So he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack could use to buy their drinks. Once the devil did so, Jack decided to keep the money and put it into his pocket next to a silver cross. This prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year and that if Jack should die, he would not claim his soul. The next year, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. While he was up in the tree, Jack carved a sign of the cross into the tree's bark so that the devil could not come down until the devil promised Jack not to bother him again for 10 more years. Soon after, Jack dies. And as the legend goes, God would not allow such an unsavory figure into heaven. Let me say that again. Because of his actions, God would not allow such an unsavory figure into heaven. The devil, upset by this trick Jack had played on him, and keeping his word not to claim his soul, would not allow Jack into hell either. Instead, he sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved out turnip and has been roaming the earth ever since. The Irish began to refer to this ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern, and then simply Jack O'Lantern. Now, when we carve pumpkins, and we dress up in Halloween costumes, as Christians that participate in this holiday, the common belief, the common phrase I keep hearing when confronted with some of these truths, Christians out of their mouth will say, yes, I believe in Jesus, but this is no big deal. Or, it's just for fun. I don't worship Satan. Well, let me ask you something. For fun, air quotes there, if I dressed up in a ski mask and had a fake assault rifle and I walked into a bank, what's going to happen to me? For fun, if I put on uh, 16 road flares on my chest and made it look like a bomb and walked with a with a, a, a coat around me into an airport and then whipped the coat off of me a moment in the terminal, what do you think is going to happen to me? Best case scenario, I get arrested and go to jail for a very long time. Worst case scenario, I'm shot dead. When you play with things, either through ignorance or disobedience, it doesn't discount the punishment. You do not play with things you do not understand. You do not come into alignment or agreement with things that are not of God. The Holy Spirit is speaking that to you right now. Listen, 
This passive attitude about what we personally deem to be safe and we personally deem to be dangerous is absolutely irrelevant to what God sees. We try our best to conform God to our likeness when it's actually God conformed us to his likeness. We try to, to take the Bible and twist the words to support our way of life and our thinking. It shouldn't be that way. The Bible should change us, not the other way around. By participating in all that Holland represents, we are coming into agreement for what it stands for. Halloween is deemed the most important day of the year to devil worshipers and is recognized as an extremely important day for evil. This quote that I'm about to read you, I am not going to tell you where I got it from as I'm not going to give any credit to the enemy. Just know that it was from a credible, air quotes here, cultist website rooted in Satanism and pagan philosophies and the person that's quoted here is one of the leaders of the Satanic movement. And he is quoted as saying about Halloween, This night, we smile at the amateur explorers of their own inner darkness. For we know that they enjoy their brief dip into the pool of the shadow world. We encourage their tenebrous fantasies, the candied indulgence, and the wide-ranging evocation of our aesthetics, while tolerating some of the chintzy versions, even if it is for but once a year. What is he saying? He's saying that he appreciates, that the devil appreciates the one night a year that we indulge in our own inner darkness, that we dip our feet into the pool of the shadow world, that we engage in candied indulgence, in fantasy. Even though some of it's chintzy and cute, it's still all part of the celebration that is pagan, dark, and satanic. Let me tell you something. The Lord has told me to share with you. If you dress up your kid as a superhero on Halloween and go trick-or-treating, you are coming into agreement with what this man just said. If you're dressing up as a sexy nurse or a sexy teacher or whatever provocative costume you want to put on for one day a year that you can dress that way, you are coming into agreement with this as well. Even if you dress up as a taco or some clever pun or some obscure character from a TV show, you are coming into agreement with this. And worst of all, we're letting our children do it too. If you really think about why you participate in Halloween, if you really sit down and think about it, most of it is probably because it's what you did as a kid because your parents introduced you to it. Your parents went trick-or-treating with you. Therefore, you go trick-or-treating with your kids. You're setting the tone for demonic influence. You're letting them know it's okay to one day a year watch horror movies, slasher films, and then let them dress up as zombies and some of these killers from these movies. You drench them in blood and gore, and it's okay. All for what? Candy? Candy that we have access to literally every day of the year, 24 hours a day? So you can dress up in a provocative outfit? Or put on the mask of an idol and get drunk at a party? Tell me which of those is biblical. I'll wait. Again, I'm not condemning here. I know it sounds that way. I'm just simply trying to highlight what the Holy Spirit is commanding me to say. In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 21, 23, and 24, it reads, You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons, too. 
You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. Verse 23, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. And that was from the NLT version. Tonight, uh, the scriptures that I read, I decided to dive into the NLT instead of the New King James, just because I felt like it was a it was a more direct way, a simpler way to communicate God's word. So um, that's where I'm reading from tonight. So let's go back to it. So verse 21, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons, cannot sit at the Lord's table and the table of demons too. You can't serve two gods. You can't claim to be a lover of Jesus Christ and then dress up as Jason from Friday the 13th. You can't be a lover of Christ. You can't profess with your mouth to be a lover of Christ and then dress up uh, with all your lady parts hanging out for the sake of being sexy. You can't be a lover of Christ and dress your kid up as a zombie, all for the sake of candy. You can't be a lover of Christ when you do all these things and go get hammered with your friends. That's trying to eat at two tables. The Lord warned us about this in the Bible. For you were neither hot nor cold, you were lukewarm, so I what? I spat you from my mouth. This is being lukewarm. This is sending a mixed message to your children. This is sending a mixed message to the community around you that you're saying it's okay to come into alignment with pagan and satanic rituals. I pray that somebody hears that right now. Holiday number two. Easter, as we celebrate it as Christians, comes from the alignment of the Jewish calendar for the Passover feast. The Passover feast was Jesus' last supper. After the feast, Jesus was arrested, tried, and executed. And then on the third day, he resurrected. So, in my house, and amongst my peers, we don't refer to the holiday as Easter. Now, when I'm talking to other family members or friends that aren't in the same mode of thinking that I am, or in the same spiritual place that I am, yes, I will often say the word Easter. However, when I refer to it, I always refer to it as Resurrection Day. My wife does as well, and our close friends do as well. Because that's the reason for the season. Easter, okay, as it turns out, actually began as a pagan festival. It was celebrated in the spring in the Northern Hemisphere, long before the advent of Christianity. Instead of worshiping the resurrection of Christ, because he hadn't arrived yet, the Greeks, the Italians, the Danish, and the French all celebrated a festival that they called different names for the languages, but the Greeks called it Pasha. But in English-speaking countries and in Germany, Easter takes its name from the pagan goddess from Anglo-Saxon England, who was described in a book by the 8th century English monk Bede, or Bede, Esther, E-A-S-T-R-E, so it's Easter, but the last two letters are mixed up. Esther, who was a goddess of spring or renewal, that, and that was why her feast is attached to the vernal equinox. In Germany, the festival is called Ostern, and the goddess is called Astara. Many of the pagan customs associated with the celebration of spring eventually become absorbed within Christianity as symbols of the resurrection of Jesus. Eggs became a symbol of new life, and they also became the people's explanation of the resurrection. During the Middle Ages, people began decorating eggs and eating them as a treat following the Mass on Easter Sunday after fasting through Lent. Rabbits and hares are also associated with fertility and were symbols linked to the goddess Esther. The first association of the rabbit with Easter 
according to, to Professor Cusack uh, from this article in Britannica, was the mention of the Easter hare in a book by a German professor of medicine, George Frank von Frankau, I'm, I butchered your name, sir, I do apologize, which was published in 1722. And here's where the big part comes. And this is the same problem with all three holidays. The commercialization during the 19th century saw rabbits become a popular symbol of Easter with the growth of the greeting card industry. Card companies like Hallmark became big by launching images of cute little rabbits and Easter eggs on cards. And the first edible Easter bunnies made from sugared pastry were made in Germany in the 19th century. Here's a big reason why the deception of the enemy runs rampant. Not only is our participation in it blind, but the demonic roots of greed is present as well. It's big business. Christmas is the number one holiday for Americans to spend money. Guess what number two is? Halloween. I don't know where Easter falls on that list. I didn't bother checking. But I do know that Christmas is number one. Halloween is number two for the most money earned. Why is that? commercialism because industries figured out that they can make costumes make candy with little ghosts on it make greeting cards and elves on the shelf and christmas wrapping paper and we eat it up it's shiny it's pretty it's tantalizing and tempting for this particular holiday the resurrection day it is important as christians that we put the focus where the focus belongs and that is the celebration of the resurrection of Christ. That's it. The minute bunny rabbits and eggs come into the equation, we start giving praise to its pagan roots. Also, too, we're lying to our kids. I'm going to get here in a minute with Santa Claus. We are deceiving our children by telling them a fictitious life-size bunny rabbit is going to come into their house and deliver eggs and candy over Easter night. How in the world is that preparing them to be godly people? We're deceiving them. We're lying to them. And then by lying to them, when they are deceived, they are putting their belief and their love and their attention into a fictitious rabbit, which then translates into idol worship. It's less about the resurrection of Christ and the gift of eternal life, which we should be eternally and daily and minute by minute grateful for. Instead, they become grateful for a fake rabbit who brings them candy. Again, another holiday surrounded by sweets and sugars that is, that is completely accessible literally every other day of the year. Ephesians 5 verses 11 through 20 read, Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. This is what the Lord has commissioned me to do. I cannot change any of you. The Lord has simply put me on a task, and this is the root of my task right here. I'm going to read that verse again. Verse 11. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, 
Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Let me say that again. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that over somebody right now, God. I pray that your blood, Jesus, washes them clean, God. Open their ears and their hearts to receive this message, to receive this word. God, I pray again. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I pray that in Jesus' name. Verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. What does that mean? It means ignorance is not an excuse. We have to be wise. How are we wise? We consult the Bible, the source of how we're supposed to leave. The acronym B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Consult the Bible, consult the Lord in prayer, and he will set your way straight. We cannot afford to be fools here. People are watching us. Ignorance is not an excuse. Verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Do not act thoughtlessly. Again, there's that ignorance thing. Do not act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, we can't do the work of the Father if we're intoxicated. Do you know why they're called spirits? <laughs> Any liquor store, they're called spirits. Because what it does is it alters your state of mind and it allows open doors for spirits to enter you and control you. We call it being drunk. That is a spirit. And when people get drunk, they typically get emotional or aggressive those are the spirits within the alcohol that awaken within us. God, I pray, the, I pray that the chain of addiction be broken over a listener right now in the name of Jesus. I too struggle with alcohol. I know what it's like to be addicted. And I know what it's like to break free of that. And you can only do it through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He can break you of that. He can change your heart. But you have to want it. I'll save that for another day. And now to the last holiday. The one that is the most difficult to talk about at times. The one that is hard for some Christians to accept. And it was hard for me to accept for a long time too. Uh, but again, the Lord has been working on me this past few years. And I've come to a place where I see through the deception of the enemy. And I just pray that the Lord brings you there as well. Christmas. In the early years of Christianity, Easter was the main holiday because the birth of Jesus wasn't celebrated. In the 4th century, church officials decided to institute the birth of Jesus as a holiday. Unfortunately, the Bible does not mention the date for his birth. This is why the Puritan settlers outlawed Christmas for a long time. We'll get there in a second. Although some evidence suggests that his birth may have occurred in the spring, this would explain why the shepherds were out, because why would they be herding their sheep in the middle of winter? It makes no sense. So Pope Julius I chose December 25th on purpose because it is commonly believed that the church chose this date in an effort to adopt and absorb the traditions of the pagan Saturnalia festival. Let me say that again. It was done on purpose in an effort to adopt and absorb the traditions of a pagan holiday. First called the Feast of Nativity, the custom spread to Egypt and by 432 into England by the end of the 6th century. 
long before the advent of Christianity, plants and trees that remained green all year long had a special meaning for the people in the winter. Just as people today decorate their homes during the festive season with pine, spruce, and fir trees, the ancient people hung evergreen boughs over their doors and windows. In many countries, it was believed that the evergreens would keep away witches, ghosts, evil spirits, and illness. Does that sound like submission to Christ in your life? I don't think so. In the Northern Hemisphere, the shortest day and longest night of the year falls on December 21st or December 22nd, and is called the Winter Solstice. Many ancient people believed that the sun was a god and that winter came every year because the sun god had become sick and weak. They celebrated the solstice because it meant that at last the sun god would begin to get well. Evergreen boughs reminded them of all the green plants that would grow again when the sun god was strong and the summer would return. By holding Christmas at the same time as traditional winter solstice festivals, church leaders increased the chances that Christmas would be popularly embraced. But they gave up the ability to dictate how it was celebrated. This is how the enemy takes what was planned for good and twists it for evil. By the Middle Ages, check this out. Christianity had, for the most part, replaced the pagan religion. On Christmas, however, believers attended church and then celebrated raucously in a drunken, carnival-like atmosphere similar to today's Mardi Gras. Does that sound like submission to Christ in your life? To give in to drunkenness and lewd behavior and violent activity? Each year, a beggar or a student would be crowned the Lord of Misrule, and eager celebrants played the part of his subjects. The poor also would go into the houses of the rich and demand their best food and drink. And if owners failed to comply, their visitors would most likely terrorize them with mischief. Christmas became the time of year when the upper class could repay their real or imagined debt to society by entertaining the less fortunate citizens. That is crazy. Toward the end of the 18th century, the practice of giving gifts to family members became well established. Theologically, the feast day reminded Christians of God's gift of Jesus to humankind, even as the coming of the wise men or magi to Bethlehem suggested that Christmas was somehow related to giving gifts. Because the wise men gave gifts, people translated that as we should be giving gifts as well. Even though the true gift was our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who was given to us by God on that day of his birth. The practice of giving Christmas gifts, which goes back to the 15th century, contributed to the view that Christmas was a secular holiday which focused on family and friends, and this was the reason why the Puritans in Old and New England opposed the celebration of Christmas, and in both England and America succeeded in banning its observance. The Puritans banned Christmas here in America and in England. That's crazy. After the American Revolution, however, English customs fell out of favor, including Christmas. In fact, Christmas wasn't declared a federal holiday until June 26th of 1870. It wasn't until the 19th century that Americans began to embrace Christmas. Americans reinvented Christmas and changed it from a raucous carnival holiday into a family-centered day of peace and nostalgia. Okay, I personally, to this day, love that time of year. I love the holiday season. I love the lights. I love the fellowship. I love the, 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 the spirit of joy in the atmosphere and, and, and goodwill towards men and women. So it's easy 
to be intoxicated uh, with those emotions. It's also very nostalgic. Christmas time is a time where we get together as a family and we remember the ones we've lost in good times and uh, we make new memories as, as our families grow. And so there's a lot of good in this season. There's definitely the presence of God in these moments. If our focus, if our hearts are in alignment with the true reason for the season, which is the joy and gratefulness of the gift of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the King who ushered in eternity for us and who defeated sin and defeated death. If that is where our heart and our our spirits are giving praise, then we're doing it right. And if we exchange gifts in the process and love on some people and have some get-togethers, you're good. But if our focus is on commercialism, on greed, and if we manipulate the season by putting the focus off of Jesus and onto things like Santa Claus and elves and reindeer, then we're missing the mark. That's where the enemy comes in. Again, much like I said with the Easter Bunny, if we're telling our children that there's a guy dressed in a red suit who knows if you're naughty or nice because he's magical, who flies on magical reindeer and can magically, see the word I'm using over and over again, magically hit every house on Christmas Eve for both believers and non-believers, you're deceiving them. You're telling them it's okay to lie. My intentions were good, but I lied to you. I deceived you, but it was just so you could have fun. And if you think about it, once again, why are you lying to your kids? Why are you deceiving them? Because you were probably deceived. And again, air quotes here because it was all in good fun. Let me tell you what can happen here. Our words have power. Like the Bible says, our tongues can bring life or death. When we do things like this, we're teaching our kids it's okay to deceive if they feel what they're doing is right. And we're opening the door for the enemy to, sh- to rattle their faith. So if you're professing, once again, with your mouth to be a believer in Christ and you're going to church or you're doing whatever you're doing and you're allowing the idol worship of your children towards Santa Claus, their focus is not on Jesus. Their focus is on an idol. That's idol worship. The Bible calls us not to do that. That's a big no-no. In case you don't know, let me tell you now. Idol worship, their focus is on the gifts they're going to get greed and you're promoting you're perpetuating a cycle that they're going to continue with their children yes i buy gifts for my kids on christmas but you know what i had to repent of lying to them and shifting the focus from the lord and savior jesus christ onto things that aren't of god my kids our kids excuse me honey if you're listening our kids know the reason for the season our youngest who just turned a year old We will not celebrate Christmas with Santa Claus in the equation whatsoever. We will exchange gifts in gratitude for the gift that was given to us that we could never repay. And we will make sure that our children share that belief and share that tradition with their kids. Side note, Santa Claus can be traced back to a monk named St. Nicholas who was born in Turkey around 280 AD. St. Nicholas gave away all of his inheritance, his wealth, and traveled to the countryside, helping the poor and sick, becoming known as a protector of children and sailors. St. Nicholas first entered the American popular culture in the late 18th century in New York when Dutch families gathered together in honor of the anniversary of his death. St. Nicholas, I'm butchering that, Dutch friends, which is Dutch for St. Nicholas, or Sinterklaas, 
or for short, Santa Claus, draws its name from this abbreviation. And the iconic version of Santa Claus as a jolly man in red with a beard and a sack full of toys was immortalized in 1881 when with the political cartoonist Thomas Nast drew on Moore's poem to recreate the image of old Saint Nick that we know today. So, although the fictitious character of Santa Claus has historical roots in a man of God, if that's where we're shifting our focus, if that's where we're putting our, our, our worship towards, then we've totally missed the point of the season. You don't worship things outside of God. And don't invite magic into your house. Elf on the shelf and all this stuff. Like, you're opening the door. I hope you realize that God is saying, close those doors. By saying, it's okay to, to have magic, you know, with elves and guy coming in our house and bunnies. It's okay to do that magic, but don't do this magic. Your kids aren't going to know the difference. That's hypocritical. We'll get there in a minute. So I'm going to read from Hebrews 10, verses 26, all the way through to the end. And it says, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning, after we have received the knowledge of truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. So let's backtrack. Those who deliberately continue sinning after receiving the knowledge of truth, there is no longer a sacrifice that will cover these sins. If you are saved, if you are professing with your mouth to be a believer in Jesus Christ, and you are continually participating in these activities with the wrong heart, the wrong spirits influencing you, there is nothing you can do to save yourself except true repentance. And then after you repent, change the behavior. The Lord will judge his own people, it says right here. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Just as right now, when I'm sharing this message, I'm sure there's going to be some backlash from it, but it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So it's okay if what you're saying, especially within the Christian community, is met with opposition. I'm speaking truth here. This is the word of God. His true yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if this stirs you up again, seek the Lord in prayer. It's okay if you hate me because my opinion doesn't matter. I'm just a man. The word of God is eternal. I'm communicating what he says. The Bible is what matters. So don't, verse 35, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now. 36, let me say that again. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. 
and my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Amen. So I'm going to hit you with some of my closing points. I'm about to wrap it up here. Thank you again for hanging in there, if you're still listening. So, what is God communicating? Be careful what we align ourselves with. Be careful with what we come into agreement with, because these are things that are rooted in pagan roots. It's about the spirit or heart behind it. God is saying, know your Bible. Know your Bible. History can be manipulated or diluted to allow the enemy room to invade. He is a master of deception and to the desensitizing of sin. This is how he got Eve and Adam to bite the forbidden fruit. Simply covering up what is not of God with God is no way that we are supposed to walk. The early church made this mistake. Instead of eradicating those pagan holidays, they decided to make conversion easier to create holidays, air quotes here, rooted in Christianity, and almost like a facade or makeup. They put it over these pagan holidays. That way the pagans would be like, okay, well, it's kind of like this tradition. So yeah, sure, I'll, I'll be a Christian, right? No, no, that was their mistake. That allowed the enemy to do what he did. And now here we are. We are not to cover up. We are to eradicate darkness. Again, ignorance for participation purposes is not an excuse. The Lord says being saved isn't the end of the journey. It's only the beginning. You have to continually seek him in prayer. You have to keep growing. Otherwise, you're staying stagnant. Being saved isn't the end. It's just the beginning. We must seek him in his word daily. Now, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray against the spirit of division. Lord, with this, with this election coming up tomorrow, God, I pray that the spirit of division has no root in any family or any friendship. God, I pray the spirit of division within the church be gone in the name of Jesus. I break that chain. I close that door. God, I pray that the enemy has no foothold anywhere in this world anymore, God. That pride and ego and wound and narcissism just flee in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray the blood of Christ over every listener, God, a hedge of protection around them, Lord. Let no tools of the enemy prosper against them, Lord. I, I call upon fire from heaven, the arrows of the angels upon any agent of the enemy that's anywhere near a listener right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. I, too, again, was once deceived by all of this. Halloween, Easter, the other parts of Christmas. My wife, too. We were there. I'm not judging you. We are not judging you. I, again, am simply highlighting some of the misconceptions and lies of the enemy to expose them, to expose the darkness. Because the darkness is hidden in plain sight. It's right in front of your face. And the Lord is saying, open your eyes and wake up, you mighty warriors of God. I encourage you, as homework... <laughs> to read over Matthew 7, verses 1 through 8. It covers about judgment, how to not judge others. And this is the foundational scripture of where I'm at spiritually right now. I understand there was a plank in my eye, so I'm not calling you out for the speck in yours. I'm simply in love trying to communicate to you. And the Lord says again in the, in the end part of that verse, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find, keep knocking and the door will be open. So again, read over that. Again, Matthew 7, verses 1 through 8. 
Let those words wash over you. We cannot change anyone. So don't allow the spirit of division and judgment to enter into your spirit. We can't change anyone. Only God can do that. We are called to deliver his truths and his word in this natural realm, much like Ezekiel, Nehemiah, and Jonah that I covered in the previous two episodes. It doesn't matter what I say or think, what you say or think, what the world says or thinks. It only matters what God says. Period. And he tells us all of that through the Bible. In closing, if this message once again stirred something up in you, seek the Holy Spirit, seek the presence of God, and come before Him humbly and allow Him to work on you. I guarantee you, you will come out a changed person. And I pray that you influence others to examine what they're doing. Again, ignorance is not an excuse. Tradition is not an excuse. And have the patience to await His response. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I pray, God, once again, that this word reaches the people right on time like I know it will. God, your word and your truth is eternal. And I pray that the seeds that were planted are cultivated with you in the right time, God, and that we change hearts to come into alignment with your will. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to reach out to me for prayer requests or comments, please feel free. You can find me at walkinginthelightpodcast3 at gmail.com, at lightwalkerpod on Twitter, on Instagram at walkinginthelightpodcast. Again, each of those words is separated by a period, so walking period in period the period light period podcast. And also I created a page on Facebook as well, so please feel free to reach out. And I pray again that this word resonates, let it saturate over you. I pray a blessing of peace be upon you. And remember, where there is light, darkness cannot exist. Keep walking. God bless.